Hello, and welcome to Bondi Nights, a podcast recorded in Bondi at night. And let's get right into it. Uh, It has... I feel like I say this now basically every time I record an episode of Bondi Nights. It's been a while. Uh, I think for a very long time I um, have stopped... You know, the passion that I began the project with has not, um, has not endured, but I feel like it's reignited by, um, recent events, specifically my, uh, time on the website Omegle. Now, you've probably guessed that I have been going on Omegle, uh, not even guessed, um, concluded correctly because I told you in the last episode that I, um, was interviewing a guy from Omegle, KP, and obviously to meet him, I needed to go on the site but I have stuck around, you know, I came to Omegle for the interview fodder, but I stayed for the great friends that I've made along the way. And I hope to have some of them on at some point. Um, just wonderful people. And uh, some of whom have been kind enough to uh, listen to the the podcast, you know, and, and that is incredibly um, gratifying to, to know that my work is being appreciated and uh, it's kind of, yeah, what has given me renewed enthusiasm for the project. Uh, so here it is. Um, back at it with with a new episode of Bono Nights, and I want to make this episode a themed episode, which means that I'm not going to just bounce around and try to cover a lot of uh, seemingly uh, disconnected uh, topics in my last uh, in the last episode before KP. I was hitting um, short skirt, long jacket. Crocodile Dundee, you know, disparate, disparate topics, myriad, myriad, disparate. Uh, these these adjectives barely scratch the surface of uh, the heterogeny of topics that I covered. And, you know, while I really enjoy those kinds of episodes because I don't feel the need to be bound or constricted by a single topic. I feel like there is something uh, special um, about the the theme episodes. And this is hopefully going to be in the tradition of the great Bono Night themed episodes. And the theme for this episode is slacking. Uh... Now, for the for the for the average person um, in 2022, the average young person, particularly, since I do imagine 
you know, my audience to be younger. You know, I think everyone who makes a podcast consciously or unconsciously visualizes their target audience in in a single, you know, composite uh, individual. And I guess if I were to try to describe my um, listener, my generic Bonner Nights listener, uh, it would be probably a male, which isn't to say that I don't have female listeners, but certainly I feel like the, the, the audience skews male. Uh, I talk about a lot of issues that maybe are more relevant to males, like colognes, saunas. Uh, well, actually, saunas is, is not a strictly male affair, although my, the sauna that I... Uh, all the saunas that I've gone to really have been primarily um, patronized by males. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just talk about, you know, very masculine topics a lot of the time. So, yeah, the average um, Bondi Nights viewer is a younger person, younger male, and po- possibly doesn't know uh, the context or the the weight that is attendant to the term slacker or slacking. Maybe they have seen the movie Back to the Future and they are reminded of the um, disciplinarian um, teacher roaming the halls, Mr. Strickland, who chastises Marty McFly as a slacker, uh, much like his father, George McFly, uh, meaning that he doesn't work hard. You know, he plays, he plays lead guitar in his band and he skates around and he, you know, he, uh, hangs out with his girlfriend, Jennifer, um, but, you know, he's not like an incredibly driven young man. Um, he's a slacker. Uh, he's late for school, famously, at the start of the first Back to the Future. And um, uh, perhaps they're also familiar, and this is a bit more of a stretch, with Richard Linklater's deba- debut film, uh, 1990 film Slacker, uh, which... Um, you know, is, is quite a special film. It certainly is, um, close to my heart, uh, in that it, you know, I, I, am a lover of all things Linklater. Um, I even go see the movies that he, that, you know, aren't his like singular creative vision, like, uh, Lost Flag Flying, um, you know, which, which, uh, I, and I believe he's also involved in the project School of Rock, uh, in some capacity. It certainly has his fingerprints all over it. Uh, and speaking of School of Rock, the character, uh, you know, Jack Black's character, Dewey, um, I believe his name's Dewey in that movie, is, you know, yet another example of a, um, beloved, film character who who could be characterized as a slacker um so what what, basically what i'm going to 
explain to you a little is a little bit about the subculture um, as I understand it, because of course I wasn't around. Um, I wasn't on the scene. I was alive in the '90s, but I wasn't on the scene. Um, for one thing, I was in Sydney, Australia. Uh, you, you know. Uh, not in the Pacific Northwest of the U.S., uh, so I wasn't really catching that grunge wave. Um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't anywhere near, like, I guess in Sydney, the the Slacker epicenter would probably have been, uh, you know, the inner west, uh, and, and it still is, really. Um so I wasn't there. So all I can really give you is a um, post hoc, like, um, sort of anthropological uh, description or um, or summary of 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 this. But so the slacker movement was very much. Um, associated with the end of history, the the thesis famously articulated by Francis Fukuyama, uh, even um, maybe prior to the the end of the Soviet Union, um, but certainly not long after it. If if it if it did come out before that, uh, after that. Um, the thesis being that the there's really nothing. Everything's happened. You know, there's nothing. Nothing's going to happen now that the Soviet Union has dissolved itself and the Western capitalist system has won. Um, it's basically going to be like this for here on here on out. Which isn't to say that there weren't little moments like, um, you know, the the Millennium Bug, um, and certainly the '90s was quite a moment for apocalyptic doomsday films, uh, you know, um, Independence Day being one. Um, but there were, there were many, um, and even you could say Titanic, which was the most commercially successful film of the nineties, um, I would argue was tapping into that same sense of, um, basically, yeah, everything's great. Like we live in this great, you know, magnificent ship, uh, and especially if you're in the first class, you know, part of that. Uh, vessel, things are going really good, but, you know, I can't help but feel like there might be a huge iceberg just up ahead to kind of ruin the party. And I think that's what that film was kind of capturing is this sense of like, things are good, almost too good. And a kind of low level unease with the, with how good things are. And of course, 9-11 was the event that um, disrupted that uh, sort of benign um, uh, 
soft and uneventful historical moment that we now refer to just as the 90s. Um, a, a time of relative prosperity and, um, and stability uh, unparalleled in modern history. Uh, you had... Um, you had uh, this, d- despite, despite all of this, you had a, a, a profound sense of uh, dissatisfaction, especially among young people. Again, like a sense that things were too good and that things were boring because of how good they were. Uh, you know, nowadays we, we are all too familiar with this uh, sentiment of, uh, you know, filmmakers like Charlie Kaufman, you know, have made their fortune um, bemoaning, uh, you know, this, uh, this urban um, sort of golden cage, this gilded prison, uh, and... Of course, there's no shortage of literary treatments of this idea, too, going all the way back to, uh, I mean, you could really trace it back to the, to the, to the start of the, um, more, you know, literary modernism. Um, but certainly uh, has, has, has become a tired refrain for for the youths of the millennium onwards is first world problems you know uh i can't even complain like they want to complain because they feel very sad and unfulfilled but they just feel almost like they're not they they don't have the right because things are so good and everyone tells them that things are so good especially their elders, you know, the boomers, um, tell them, you know, you've got it so good. My parents lived through the depression and, um, and they had real problems. You don't have problems. Um, and of course the, the, you know, the response to that is that is itself a problem, you know, to not have problems, uh, I don't think anyone would disagree that a lack of adversity has a, has a kind of um, pacifying effect on, on people. And um, I think we've seen that progressively as things have gotten better, people have gotten softer. People have become more reliant on um, technology, uh, perhaps a conservative person would say that people are becoming more dependent upon the state and uh, certainly in the era of the uh, COVID pandemic we've seen that and I guess that's what I'm trying to get at is that there is a lot of parallels uh, I suppose between the experience of 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 life in the covid era or the post covid era to this uh 90s 
slacker mood that I'm trying, um, but ultimately failing because it's impossible for me to describe something that I haven't personally experienced, um, with any authority. Um, yeah, there's a similarity between, I think the mood of, of today and the nineties, um, the, the common, um, moral panic, uh, the, 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 the hand wringing that goes on, um, daily in the, in the media and especially in the business press, uh, about the great resignation is case in point for, um, the, the, uh, I guess, to illustrate the pass passivity, the unprecedented levels of passivity that uh, we are witnessing in this era that even the 90s can't um, compete with. Uh, even the slackers of the 90s didn't have um, the, the apathy that that people have today during the great resignation, um, you know, and a lot of that obviously has to do with the stimulus that was pumped into the system by Western governments to prevent a global economic crisis during the pandemic. A lot of people were given stimulus with no, no strings attached um, it was seen as seen by many as a uh, test run for the universal basic income concept uh, that um, is becoming more and more uh, easy, easily imagined. Um, you know, now that we've we've seen it, but of course there are. Um, inflationary pressures as a result that we're also witnessing and that I would say is a distinguishing feature from the 90s where um, you know there, there wasn't say the level of um, of, of governmental support uh, and welfare that there is today and there, but there also wasn't the same sense of impending crisis in the system. And, uh, and so you can't say that the condition of the great resignation, uh, let's call them like the resigners, um, the resigned, um, can really be like, is it exact, um, you know, is, is exactly the same as in the 90s because in the 90s, I don't think there was this fully formed sense of um, things are probably going to get a lot worse. Um, and it was more of a sense of maybe like things are, things are okay but boring and, and just culturally quite stagnant. Um, we look back at the 90s and we see a, a, an incredibly rich um, cultural 
uh, you know, moment. But at the time, I, I feel like the sense was that it was quite um, vapid and um, kind of like a continuation of the 80s to a large extent, which, of course, was a continuation of the 70s. And, um, uh, of course, the 70s sucked, uh, which was, you know, the thesis of Richard Linklater's um, follow-up picture, Dazed and Confused, 1994, um, which has the a kind of a tragic um, scene in, in it where one of the, the characters... Um, is quite excited for the for the eighties. You know, the film was set in the seventies and she and in the late seventies, and and this uh, girl was saying, you know, the seven the sixties rocked, the seventies sucked, so I think it's going to be, uh, it's it's like it's like one decade sucks and then another rocks and then another and then the next one will suck, so she was anticipating that the eighties would. Um, rock and of course the 80s did not rock it was the time of Reaganomics um, uh, privatization of state assets uh, of course there was the rise of uh, yuppies um, and uh, and that you know the the yuppies of the 80s the the Reagan, the Reagan era um, uh, champions of of that kind of decade were the yuppies, of course, and um, and that was what the '90s, in a sense, was a reaction against. And uh, there's actually an article um, that I found very interesting where uh, they. Um, Suggest that the that the resurgence of the slacker movement in the this article I believe was written in twenty nineteen um, the re, resurgence of the slacker movement in the in the twenty twenty in the twenty I guess they were talking about the late tens but you know what we see it really coming into full force in the early twenties now. Um, they described it as a reaction against influencer culture of the um, Obama, you know, starting with the second term of the Obama presidency and, um, and just growing uh, till, till we get to the point we're at now, you know. But so in the same way, I would say that the uh, the '90s slackerdom was a reaction against the yuppies of the '80s, the Reagan, um, the Reaganites. Uh, so too, you know, would you could you say that the the resigners of the '20s are a rejection of influencer culture? And this is kind of ultimately what I want this movement to become. Um, and if I have anything to say about it, that this is what it will become is a refutation of influ- not just influencer culture, um, because 
I don't think that the problem can be can be limited to that anymore. The problem is more about um, what we would what we would call remote work uh, enti- entirely, like that that idea of um, working from home and um, uh, finding some kind of like niche, some kind of um, hustle like that you can escape the grind through entrepreneurialism um, that you can effectively become your own boss with the help of the internet work from home maybe live in some kind of um, uh, tax haven or bitcoin haven or um, just a uh, Asian country where you pay a low VAT. Um, there's no VAT really to speak of, and um, you know you keep your assets in the in the um, in your country of origin. These are you know anarcho-capitalist, anarcho-libertarian ideals uh, that I would associate squarely with influencer culture as probably the most extreme manifestation, but equally with remote work, um, hybrid work, whatever you want to call it. This shift away from the brick and mortar office to a kind of flexible um, uh, labor force is, you know, as Mark Fisher famously said, something that the left never really was able to recover from in the 90s when uh, New Labour under Blair and the New Democrats under Clinton um, basically, uh, you know, fell in with the neoliberals and um, became champions of this kind of flexible um, labor force uh, that then became very much associated with big tech. Um, and, you know, the, I guess the problem that I see with this ethos of, you know, escape the grind with your little, you know, hustle, like your little business or your you know, um, crypto, whatever, like all these different ways to, um, to just like, I don't know, be the exception while everyone else is, um, is just like suffocating under like increasingly desperate, um, soul destroying, um, work conditions, uh, is, um, I would just say like, it feels emancipatory. Like this is the problem. And this has always been the problem for the left is it's very easily confused with a kind of emancipation from, um, you know, the sort of Fordist Taylorist, um, like factory model of capital, uh, and and re- but it really is just perpetuating the same system, 
And, you know, since the 90s, uh, postmodernism, we have the image commodity. Uh, we've got the TikTok uh, or the viral video um, entrepreneur. Um, you know, these are all, these are all, um, these are the yuppies. These are the Reaganites of the 80s. Um, reimagined for the for the 21st century you know these are these seem like you know just cool hip people that are doing their own thing and we all look up to these people and admire them on the internet but at the end of the day they are um toadies whether they realize it or not they are um ideological um proponents of this uh, you know, of neoliberalism and any kind of uh, return of the repressed of slacker slackerism um, that we can that we can expect in this uh, in this decade to come needs to push back against this. We can't we can't acquiesce to this uh, to this you know, disciplining, uh, through encouraging people to make content. Um, because it is just an, it just is a, it's, it's a perpetuation of the same form of oppression that we are, we've seen, you know, that's the story of the, of the, the late 20th century, you know, late modernity, you know, if there's going to be a break break from that in any meaningful sense, it needs to be based on um, a kind of opting out from um, a technologically uh, organized labor economy. You know, and and um, and and that's. That means, you know, if you are a slacker, like, don't, don't be making content, you know? And I say that, look, I say that understanding the irony of, of making this podcast, you know, um, it's, it is what it is, man. I'm making this, um, obviously I'm in the system too, there's no getting out of it entirely, but we can all do our best to take back the the uh, you take back our lives really because if the pandemic has kind of demonstrated anything is that you know once once this new normal has been implemented we're not going back. We're not going back to the way things were. And it's just a matter of trying to get as much back as we can, you know, try to renegotiate, um, things in a way that is favorable to us. Ultimately we're getting a shit deal, but we need to try to, um, we need to try to make this work. And, I believe that like the slackers are uh, potentially a revolutionary force um, in 
so far as they don't have the motivation to make fucking TikToks and they think that that's lame and they think that even being on TikTok is lame. You know, I I I I haven't met many of them, but there are they are out there. Gen Gen Z, Gen Z people who think that TikTok is fucking lame, which it is. And and this needs to be the this needs to be the uh, rallying cry of the of the new generation. TikTok sucks. Um, you know, it's causing ADHD. Um, like, don't just take ADHD medication and continue using TikTok. Get off TikTok and heal your brain. You know, become a real person. Don't be this literal cartoon character depiction of of uh, of the of the youth as just this like autistic mis you know misanthropic completely fried um like basically robot generation you know we we need to reclaim our humanity uh and i think the the way to start is to just start slacking off you know um like today and that's this episode of Bono Nights. I'm sorry I went over. I had a lot to say. Um, and I hope you enjoyed it. Please uh, follow and rate and keep it locked. Because I plan to make more Bono Nights. Uh, you know, I always plan this, but this time I mean it. So thank you for listening.